eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of the podcast. Uh, it's going to be recruiting version today. We've got a lot to discuss, a lot of uh, recruiting class coverage. Uh, 2022s, guys that are going to enroll early. Uh, we'll also dive into some guys that are here uh, in the next couple of weeks for visits for unofficials. But first, we're going to start with the big news that hit uh, Monday, which it literally happened right when we started recording a podcast for a mailbag, and we needed to talk about it. Um, so we're going to we were, we saved it for this one. That's Nico, uh, five star quarterback going to Tennessee over Oregon. Um, don't need to go too much into the schematics of how that happened. Uh, you can connect the dots that a five-star quarterback had signed an NIL deal with a collective out of Tennessee for $8 million uh, a couple weeks ago, and now Nico is committed to an SEC school. Uh, but what's next for Oregon? Um, I, I think that this puts the pressure now on landing – and offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, I think, because what a month ago we all kind of felt like Nico's probably going to go to Oregon. A couple of weeks ago, when when spring's practice started, I think that was the first day of spring or second day of spring practice was when this whole NIL thing dropped. And yeah, the sense before that was Nico to Oregon, and it's imperative Oregon gets a quarterback in this class. They didn't take one this last spring um, in twenty two. You look at the roster, Bo Nix, very likely not with the team after this year just because of eligibility. I think he could technically try to come back for another year if he used the COVID rule, but um, there's no guarantee of that. Um, you kind of wonder between Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield, if one of them is not the clear-cut future starter, does one of them take a peek somewhere else? Um, finding a quarterback in 2023 is a necessity, and a player of Nico's caliber would have been really exciting to – to add to the, you know, add to that group. And clearly that is not going to happen. And, you know, it's sort of interesting because sometimes you say, well, he committed, maybe he'll reconsider. Well, there's 8 million reasons why he won't. And, and so that one's, that's done. I and mean, he's not going to go anywhere other than Tennessee unless something wild happens and somebody comes in with a bigger offer. And my, my expectation is Oregon won't be the school to come in with a bigger offer. So I think you can kind of cross that off the list. Um, some interesting stuff from an, like a recent offer. Um, and I actually just posted on duckterritory.com uh, a recap of all of Dan Lanning and staff's offers since December. Um, Eli Holstein, a four-star top 60 quarterback out of the state of Louisiana, 
was offered about a week ago. I don't think that's by mistake. He's a prospect that I think should get Oregon fans excited. Um, again, notably, really good year out west for quarterbacks, but it seems like mm -hmm. Jaden Rashada is still on the board. If it's not Rashada, it might be somebody from the southeast, like a Holstein, who Oregon kind of puts all their eggs in that basket. And we should note, again, because of Kenny Dillingham's time in that part of the country, he has some relationships down there and maybe even a little bit closer you know, relationships than he does with some of these West Coast recruits. Yeah, losing Nico was a bit of a blow for Oregon. Um, they are very lucky that this class of 2023 is one of the better quarterback classes I think I've ever seen, and it might be one of the better ones that – 24-7 uh, has ever, you know, ranked as a as a whole. You know, you have three, three quarterbacks inside the top 10. That's really hard to do. You have uh, Jaden Rashada, who's a five-star. That's the fourth five-star of this class for them. Um, Dante Moore is another guy. He's from Michigan. He's visited campus. Um, I, there's There are options. And Eric, you just mentioned Eli Holstein um, from Louisiana. I think that one's interesting. You look at his uh, timeline of events that's happened. You know, Oregon offers him uh, in like the middle of March, the week before he goes to an Alabama spring camp. Two weeks later, after he's offered from Oregon, he decommits from Texas A&M. Um, I'm not saying that those those things all congeal and that he's you know dropping from A&M because because of Oregon's offer, but I do think that. He's been seeing that there's other things on the table, and maybe some of that sparked, you know, before in February he got offered by Miami and Mario Cristobal and company. Um, you know, there there are plenty of options for Oregon to go to, um, and like like both of you have mentioned, it's an absolute necessity that they do sign a quarterback in 2023 after not taking one in 2022. Well, if you want to count Bo Nix as taking a quarterback, sure, but we're talking just high school recruits. Um, they need to, and they had Tanner Bailey as a commit originally before Mario Cristobal left, um, but that seemed to be it, and it seemed as if you know, the reins are going to be handed to a Ty Thompson or a Jay Butterfield or a Robbie Ashford at the time, and now there's still a three-quarterback race, but um, it's still yet to be determined on who it is that's going to be taking over the reins, and I, to go back to my original sentiment, I do think that you know if there's a class that Oregon can afford to miss out on a top, like a star-studded quarterback. It is this class because there are solid quarterback and potentially elite quarterback prospects down the road, um, all within like the top 100 of this class. So there, there are plenty of options. There are plenty of fish in the sea for Oregon if if Nico wasn't their original person. There, there are five, uh, three five-star quarterbacks in the state of California. Um, yep. Malachi Nelson has committed to USC, so you know that the Trojans will not be in play for another one of the top QBs in the country. Uh, Nico has now committed to Tennessee, and that now leaves Jaden Rashada um, from Pittsburgh, California. He's the 31st best quarterback in the country. No crystal balls have been thrown his way. Oregon is very deep in there. I know Oregon's got a good connection with him. He's highly interested. He's been on campus um, it, I will say, though, it will be a little bit of a disappointment if Oregon has three of those elite QBs out West. And look, you can argue one way or the other about Malachi Nelson not really giving Oregon any kind of interest. But to have – we talk so much about how the West Coast doesn't produce 
uh, elite players at certain positions. And to have three five stars in California, basically in your own backyard, and for Oregon not to get any of them would be a bit of a disappointment. Now, luckily, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I think they're in a good position. I don't know if you can definitively say that they are the number one school for Jaden Rashada, but you could say that they are in that top one tier for major players. Though there's other schools in the mix there, but they've got to they've got to get a quarterback. And I don't care if it's a three star, four star, five star. Whoever you land, I I think you've got to get a guy that you feel comfortable with being a potential starter next season, um, because you, you can't go into the 2023 season, in my opinion, with just two options as your starter, Jay Butterfield, Ty Thompson. We don't even know if those guys are ready yet. And I think this is where the portal might be Oregon's friend. And I hate to say it because I know that's not the sexy option. And gosh, the last couple of cycles and last couple of years, this is really sort of, I think, frustrated some Oregon fans who are just looking for that next homegrown, quote unquote, you know, the Justin Herberts yeah. and Marcus Mariotas who play all four or five years at Oregon. Um, I, I kind of think if, I mean, Oregon will take a quarterback in 23, a prep. I think they have to. But if they don't get a top-tier guy, and we assume Nix is gone, and we're not sure about what Ty and Jay can also provide, I, I would argue it's probably worthwhile to take a 23 prep and then also go look at the portal um, because there are high-caliber quarterbacks who will be in there. You don't know who could be in there. Shoot, who thought Spencer Rattler was going to be in the portal? I'm not saying that's the count. I mean, I know he had a very disappointing season at Oklahoma, but there could be a guy that right now we're talking about as a quote-unquote possible Heisman candidate that ends up in the portal after the year, and that would be a player Oregon can look at. So. Um, I, I think Oregon needs to be pretty aggressive. And honestly, I would probably look at maybe almost that being the plan, even if you do get a Rashad of, of going and at least finding some experience in the portal. Um, yep. Even if it's not a superstar guy who's necessarily going to start, but you need numbers. And again, there's no guarantee that between Ty and Jay, one of those guys could, you know, by the end of the season notice, hey, I'm not going to be the long-term guy and, and bounce. And you would hate to be left with like two scholarship quarterbacks going into the spring or something. Yeah, I mean, we all agree on the fact that it's an absolute must-have for a quarterback to come into this class. Um, if Oregon misses out on the five stars of California, it would not be the first time. We just have to go back three years ago and look at the class of 2020 with Bryce Young, DJ Uyunga Lale, and CJ Stroud. Um, I, it's a little bit of a different recruiting era right now, especially with how Nico may or may not have gone to, and picked Tennessee as his school of choice. Um it's not the end of the world because the class of 2024, if I agree that they need to get somebody to fill in for 2023, but if Oregon wants to go after one of their, you know, blue chip type of quarterbacks, class of 2024 might be an opportunity for them to do so. You have a lot of quarterbacks from the state of California. You have a lot of quarterbacks from the state of Arizona, all of which are high four star prospects. It is not the end of the world if they don't get a five star in 2023, considering the fact that that person may or may not have to sit a year behind a Ty Thompson, behind a Jay Butterfield, or like Eric was mentioning, maybe Bo Nix says, all right, I want to go one more time. And maybe that's the case, but regardless, quarterback of 2023, absolute must just for pure depth purposes, maybe even two, depending on how the end of spring, spring camp goes. I almost said spring training. It is baseball season, everybody, but Need the quarterback in 23. If they show, if Kenny Dillingham and Dan Lanning show that their offense is, is a 
structured offense that can really prepare a quarterback for the next level and really show success and preparation, then somebody in 2024 might be willing to take a huge, not, not, not a huge chance, but might be willing to turn down money from another school and come to Oregon where they have shown that they can develop a quarterback better. Um, that's all. Eric, you spoke with Justice Lowe, an incoming three-star receiver um, for the Oregon Ducks, who's going to be here for spring ball, right? He is enrolled in classes and uh, is going to be uh, starting on Monday. He'll be, I guess, starting classes in Eugene Sunday. Yeah, so shifting gears here, um, Justice Lowe comes to Oregon this spring. We're going to have a feature up. It's a VIP feature. I highly encourage you guys to read it. Um, Eric had some good opportunities to talk with him and just about his opportunity to, to come to Oregon early and get a jump start. And I think he's one of those guys where you look at the receiver room in 2022. I This could, you know, being here for spring ball isn't going to – automatically make him a star player for Oregon, but it could be the difference in him redshirting or maybe even being a regular guy in the rotation for Oregon, just getting that head start on his career. I'm curious to see just what plays out with, with him and how he impacts the game. Yeah. We've talked a lot about numbers at receiver. They needed a receiver in this class. He's the only one, which again is still a little surprising to me, but it, it, him being here early makes a ton of sense. And I, I don't want to, share all the details but it's notable this is a guy who did not grow up playing football he did not play like two-hand touch you know probably didn't play too much two-hand touch didn't play flag didn't play pop warner didn't start playing football seriously until his junior year in high school um so ample experience on the field was like really important for his development this is a player who is extremely gifted athletically um i'll get into some of the details about why he started football there's some kind of fun ties with some oregon a current Oregon player that kind of pushed him in that direction. Um, he was a guy who was a top tier track athlete, like in eighth grade. I think he was one of the top hurdlers in the entire country um, and, and focused now on football. I think getting him on campus early makes a lot of sense. He needs to develop and understand the playbook and honestly learn some of the nuances of it. Um, elite speed guy. He expects that'll translate. Um, and I, like you said, Matt, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there is an opportunity for justice to potentially play early but that's going to depend a lot upon how quickly he develops and kind of figures out some of those small details because again this is a, a raw prospect you don't it's funny i was thinking about this before we started recording typically when you hear like a college athlete that's only played a couple of years of the sport it's like a really raw athletic basketball player yes you know mm -hmm. what i mean and like uh, like oregon women's basketball most recently a filipina che had like two three years of high school experience playing the sport period you don't typically see a kid end up at a school like oregon right out of high school with that kind of a limited background in the sport so it's kind of a unique deal but just as obviously athletically has a lot of um a lot of potential here and i think he's excited to prove himself because as he said and you'll read the story in a couple of days um none of the oregon coaches have ever seen him play a game in person so it's all based upon film and, and he thinks he's gonna i think impress some people with just how fast he is um, because sometimes it doesn't quite translate on on tape was his kind of feeling on things so i, it, I again as matt said Story will be up in the next day or so. Um, I, I would suggest you take a look at it. I'm going to try to write a couple more of these on players that are not enrolling early because, unfortunately, the enrollment date is fast approaching. And once they get into school, that's a, a no-no zone for us to uh, 
we basically breach contact with them unless we go through the university and they are not as easy to deal with in that regard, especially with kids that are first years. I think you, you look at low and I I'm curious to see just like you said, how it translates onto the field because little background from a football perspective. And yet you look at some of the offers that he had prior to signing with Oregon, Notre Dame, Utah, Florida. He had Oregon. He had USC. uh, Arizona State had extended him a scholarship offer. Um, These are are schools that are either located in areas in the country where talent is in an abundance – or they win at a high level. Um, I mean, just look at Utah and the receivers that they've, you know, they had last season, the type of team that they are, um, USC and their receiving core and their history. We don't need to discuss that one. Um, Florida and Notre Dame that recruit nationally and Florida and the state of Florida recruiting all those athletes and extending an offer to him. Um, that tells me that there's something there. It might be raw, but – a lot of schools saw something in him that they can that they felt like he could make an impact. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. He's an exciting kid. Yeah, and you've seen two of these type of prospects from Oregon and Dan Lanning so far, with a lot of raw material and blazing speed with Justice Lowe and Kamari Terrell. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's clear from Lowe's offer sheet and from his you know his earlier commitment to Utah, another really strong Pac-12 Power Five team. Uh, there's something there. There's something there that the coaches see and they think that they can mold and they think that as soon as they get him to to get in a playbook and really understand football better from a uh, you know a conceptual level, he could break out. He could do something. He could be uh, you know somebody who quickly you know outworks and out hustles their rankings online. You know regardless whether he's a three or a four star. So it's exciting that he's coming to campus early. I think he needs that. I mean, if it were up to me and I were a football coach, I'd have all of my recruits at campus early because I think they all need it. But I think he especially will will need the the extra tutelage and the, like the, the short amount of time that he gets in the spring and the summer camp. Um, but yeah, no, excited to watch him on the field. You know, this next week, what is it, the twenty third? We got six more days till another practice. We're counting them down. So uh, can't wait to see him out there and just to see how fast he actually is. All right. When we come back uh, from a break, we're going to continue to discuss some recent offers that Oregon sent out, and we'll also um, discuss some recruits that are going to be on campus here once Oregon opens up spring football again. Coming up next here after this break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Um, it's a recruiting show uh, this week on Wednesday. And Eric, you we do this every Monday um, where we go through all the offers that were extended out uh, to the Oregon Ducks. And there were a couple that were sent out recently. Can you just give us maybe a couple notable names that you felt like um, in the last week or so since your last update that, that landed scholarship offers? Yeah, and, and just, just so I'll also say, I've also recently published a compilation of all the offers since Landing and Company arrived. The current total of scholarship athletes is 152, um, I believe was my count that they've offered since Landing has uh, taken over as head coach. So that's that's quite a few, and that's over the course of not just the 23 class, but also 24, 25, and one 2026 quarterback. Um, but in terms of recent offers, Holstein's a name I know I mentioned earlier. Um, I, I think it's notable. This was the first 2023 quarterback that they offered. Um, obviously, the previous staff had offered Rashada and all these big names we've mentioned uh, – um, and they'd already established connections there. So there wasn't a new offer to be made for those. Um, but I think Holstein's clearly a name to know. Um, you know, I, I will also shout out Chico Duck on the website. I thought he did a good job of kind of breaking down some of his skill set and kind of why he'd be a good fit. Um, again, Oregon needs a 2023 quarterback. They're in on a lot of the top guys, but for them to make an offer, this isn't super late in the game, but in March is, is somewhat late. I mean, a lot of these kids have already made decisions or are in the process of doing so. Obviously, with some of the connections Oregon's had at AM as well, with Marshall Malkow being from there, I, I assume that there's a relationship there that maybe led them to believe they could they could be involved there, maybe uh, have a shot. So I think that's definitely a name to know. I will also say it wasn't this week, but it was the week before. Um, you don't see this very often. Oregon offered a kid from Senegal uh, who's an offensive defensive lineman, Mamadou. And I again, I we're not great here at pronouncing last names, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Sissoko. Um, big athletic kid with an incredible athletic background. I'll be curious to see kind of how much that name is, is prevalent. He, Oregon was the first school to offer. He is a 2023 recruit. I would imagine this is somebody that, like similar to Justice Lowe, just does not have a, a lot of history with the sport. Um, you kind of wonder what the development, if Oregon does land him, could be like um, with some of the defensive coaches Oregon has on staff. Obviously a pretty raw prospect, but one that if you were to bring over, you'd imagine it was really – enticing they also offered a kid from sweden a couple weeks before that so they've kind of gone international with some of their defensive line recruiting which is i thought a little bit notable uh it seems to me and we won't keep this segment too long but it seems to me that these offers sort of come out in groups by like position group and and oregon i think seemingly went after a little bit more uh, secondary guys players in the cornerback safety room uh in this most recent group of offers there were 12 offered um, in the last week or so, and I think about a third of those players play either corner or safety or are listed as athletes, but play one of those two positions as well. So, um, again, Oregon doesn't have in 23 or 24 or 25 or 26 really any commitments. I know they I think they have one in 23. Um, so a lot of work to be done, but clearly making some inroads early on some defensive backs, which is always a priority. There's clearly – I've kind of noticed that as well where – when one position group gets offered, it seems like a bunch of them do. And for whatever reason that may be. Um, but yeah, they, 
I also I think it's stunning that there's a 2026 offer on the table. It's just like, <laughs> too soon. It's way, 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 way too soon. Um, anyways, I digress. Uh, was, by see, the way, by see, the way, that is Jackson Taylor from Westlake in uh, California. There's the 26 quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah, absurd. But anyways, uh, for them to be going after defensive backs are are, are is really important at this point. Um, that room is still, you know, we've been over it a bunch of times. That room is still a little, little light on depth. Um, they've definitely shirted it up a little bit in the class of 2022 with uh, the two Jaleels and Kamara Terrell, who I mentioned already. Um, but uh, again, you kind of see where, where the recruiting is focused. Um, a lot of offers in Texas, a lot of offers in the southern, southeastern states. Um, obviously, a lot of offers in California, too. But you know, for, for this staff, it's clear that their southeastern connections and their Texas connections are going to are going to come through at least at one point, or at least they're going to try. Um, and I think that's a really important thing because, you know, despite the brief Willie Taggart era of recruiting in Florida with getting some of the the three star prospects there, who you know turned out to be pretty important. Some of them turned out to be pretty important players for Oregon. Um, it didn't always feel like Oregon had a presence down there in recruiting. Yeah. And I do think that for Oregon to have a presence like that, especially on the offensive or defensive line, well, honestly, any position at all, you know, I think that brings them a different level of, of a player who comes in here and performs. Um, well, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but yeah, those are, those are players that everybody in the country is, are going after. And if Oregon is able to land a few of them, you know, that'd be very big for the program in general. Um, and obviously you have to keep some of the in-state kids in here um, when there are classes that feature a couple four-star kids out of Oregon. Seldom there are, but there are a few. And, you know, those are the ones that you have to hit hard and you have to keep those to keep those players in-state, basically, you know, build the, build the wall around the state of Oregon and try to keep them in-state. Um, not building any dams, certainly not that. And then going after you know, players in California as well. Um, I, I do like what the staff has done so far in their, in their offers. Um, they are a team who seemingly offers a lot of players, but I never understood why people you know, didn't like that as if it's not a good idea to offer everybody that you can because you might land a really good player because of it. So it's been, it's been interesting and, and uh, really insightful to keep up with who's been offered recently. I, I think it's also telling that right now the staff is going where they're most comfortable. And a lot of these guys have come to Oregon from the Southeast or, you know, in that, how do we define Texas? Is it the South? Is it the Texas West? is Texas. Nope. Texas is <laughs> Texas. <laughs> But that general area, states that surround the state of Texas. Um, and, and, and so I, I think you look at a lot of these guys and we, we see an offer from Louisiana. We see an offer from Missouri, uh, Penn's, Pennsylvania. You know, Joe Lorg is from there. Alabama is another SEC school, uh, another Alabama. Um, a couple kids from California, no, no doubt about it. Um, that, that will always be. Oregon's, you know, probably biggest base, but there's a lot of kids that, that are in this list that have come from where the staff is familiar with. And so it, it's going to be interesting how the staff balances that of 
recruiting the kids that are so far away, which, yeah, no doubt, the Southeast and the state of Texas, those areas produce the best players in the largest quantity, but it's also more difficult to get them to come all the way to Oregon um, and then see how the staff balance is recruiting locally here. Um, all right, let's move on to the last one here. Upcoming visitors. Uh, none of these guys are going to be here this weekend. Um, Oregon doesn't have spring practice this weekend. Uh, and then actually next week uh, is when they will start trickling in at different times. And um, Oregon's actually also going to be doing a high school football coaches clinic on campus um, that could help bring in more players as well. So we expect this list to maybe be added to it here in the next 10 days or so. But right now there's a couple big names. And the, and the biggest one is a 2024 player, um, five-star receiver, James Madison II from St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, this is one in which uh, the Ducks have multiple assistants who are very familiar with St. Thomas Aquinas. It's one of the best high schools in the state of Florida. Um, I, I think you look at James Madison the second and, and say, it's a long ways out, 2024 class member, but this is your opportunity to maybe push your way into that tier one group for him so that you're you're in you're in the game when he starts making a cut to a final five or a final three or whatever final number he settles on. Yeah, these early visits for 24s maybe get overlooked because there's not the immediate commitment or immediate signature, um, but they're pretty important, especially for a school like Oregon who's trying to make a pitch to come all the way across the country to at least give them some early exposure. Uh, I would be stunned if there's a commitment. I would be stunned if he makes a decision probably for a while. Um, and frankly, it's going to be tough to pull these kids that far across the country in the era of NIL too. I mean, that adds kind of another element here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the fallout is, but it doesn't hurt certainly to bring a prospect of that caliber across the country. And, and frankly, again, these relationships are, are they take time. You know, it, I, I mentioned earlier, we talked about Justice Lowe. That was a development that took place really quickly. He was kind of a, you know, late blooming prospect, a kid that's a five star that has probably been recruited since he was like a middle schooler. Yep. Um, it's going to be somebody that you do need to build a long term relationship with, because frankly, other schools will have also been in the process of building such a relationship. So, yeah, again, these early visits, you don't you know, I know some people have been frustrated so far because there was a bunch of kids on campus early in March here for the start of spring practice and yet no commitments came from it. Well, that's sort of the way sometimes it goes because there's, I think, a lot going on and these kids are going to look around. And so don't diminish the fact that this visit was those visits were like not successful because oftentimes when you follow up with a recruit about why they decided to go to Oregon or to go to another school, they'll mention that spring visit as being really the eye opener right. that pushed them ahead. So um, even if there's no commitment from any of these visitors, I think you have to at least kind of understand that just put into perspective of it might not pay off now, but it may be something that's pretty significant down the road. So James Madison, the second, first off, tremendous name right? <laughs> of all time. Yeah. It's a top tier, like high school prospect name. Uh, yeah, number three play in the country, or excuse me, number three wide receiver in the country class of 2024. Um, like Eric said, this is a player who has been recruited for a while and getting into uh, and into his his recruitment early for Oregon is huge, especially across the country. He's got a lot of good offers already. Ole Miss, Colorado's in there. 
Florida State, Miami, Tennessee. Um, I expect that offer list to only grow as the, as the days go, get older. Uh, we have George. He visited Georgia last year. You know, this is going to be a guy who's a consensus high four-star, if not a five-star by the time his actual, you know, commitment date or commitment time period comes around. And for Oregon to get in at this stage and this and this early stage is really important. Um, just trying to keep working their connections in, in Florida and just, you know, keeping an, keeping an ear to the ground and seeing what, what they can do to make him feel comfortable with the idea of coming to Oregon. However, I started to look up James Madison nicknames. You know, there's it's not a not a great bunch of them. Uh, father of the Constitution, Father of the Bill of Rights, America's first graduate student. I do like the great legislator, though. So James Madison II. We, if, if, if he commits to Oregon, we should have some, some weekly podcast segment with him where we can call him the, uh, the father of, or the great legislator. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I agree with this politics, Jared. Is that, is that problematic? <laughs> well, that's the, the original James. This is James II, so I think we'd be okay. All right. Other players on campus uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Terrence Green, a four-star defense, a three-star defensive lineman from uh, Cypress, Texas, in the 2023 class. Six foot five, 265 pounds. You know, massive dude. Good offer list. Um, we've also got a running back and three-star running back Dante Dadwell, uh, six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds from Mississippi. Uh, this is a guy that that's got 23 offers. Um, he's got certainly a lot of the low-level Power Five or low-level D1 schools um, like an Akron, an Arkansas State, a Georgia State, um, Louisiana. But he's also got some big big boy offers. Oregon is one of them. Ole Miss, Louisville, uh, Florida State has offered. Auburn has offered. Arkansas has offered. Um, real curious about this guy because I'll, I'll, I'll be frank. Oregon doesn't have a lot of bigger backs on its roster. Do we even consider Byron Cardwell a bigger back? Because if we don't, they don't have any. Um, and, and this could be an entrance into that of getting just – that bell cow guy that literally just <clears throat> it's very similar to what Oregon did with LeGarrette Blount uh, in his junior year, where he really didn't play until the third quarter, end of the third quarter. And then all of a sudden you throw out a six foot two, 225 pound running back that gets 17 carries in 20 minutes of game time. That style of play, which is very popular in the SEC, works. Oregon's been really active in the running back offers. Actually, I think if I'm looking at my notes here, I think more running back offers have been made in 23 than any other position group on the team. Uh, I've got 13 here, and that makes sense because, as we have addressed previously, uh, not a lot of running backs on the team, frankly. Um, I, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, Jim Ash. Sorry, Jim Mastro said they took seven McGee and Byron Cardwell. That was a rare thing to take two because typically you take one. I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon takes two, possibly three. But I would think that they would look at taking two in this class just because the numbers aren't fantastic right now. And and that's certainly a name to know. There's, getting, I would suggest go take a look at uh, the list of offers that I posted on the site. Also notable is of the 13, like, only three of them are West Coast kids. And yeah. as we said, we talked about earlier, just of, of like 
Carlos Lachlan does not have West Coast ties. His background is in Tennessee. He coached a year uh, at Florida State. Uh, I think two years at Florida State, but really was only like in an on-field role most recently at Western Kentucky. Like he's basically only spent his time down in the Southeast. So um, they're in on a couple of kids from California, Jaden Lamar from Washington, who was a recruit Oregon offered with the previous staff. But like a lot of the kids they're in on are, are kids from the Southeast, um, including Dowdell. I think Dowdell reminds me a lot of a Trey Benson, where you know they're similar in recruiting rankings. They both have a good amount of offers. I mean, Dowdell has offers from Auburn, Florida State, Arkansas, Boston College, University of South Carolina, and Tennessee. Those are pretty darn good offers for a running back who's top 40. I think he was 35th overall in the class of 2023. Uh, just a three-star prospect, but that's kind of how Trey Benson was. Um, you know, it's kind of a battle for Benson with Oregon and Mississippi State coming down to it, if I remember correctly. Um, another guy who was a, a bigger running back at a, at a high school, I like that 6'1", 210, 215 frame. Dowdell is 6'2", 215, like Matt mentioned. Um, I think if I think there's a reason other than just Carlos Lachlan having a lot of Southeastern ties for Oregon going after a lot of Southeastern running backs. Um I think it's just might be a different way of, of, of an offense that Oregon wants to run. Um, it could be that they're better athletes. It could be that Oregon just finds that those players work better in the system, whatever the case may be, or the talent out West just isn't as good as it is down the Southeast. Um, I think it'll be interesting to kind of find out why that is over time, but it doesn't surprise me that as of right now, where they're just, where coach Lachlan will go to all of his connections in the Southeast because you know, that's what any of us would do. It's like, well, why, you know, obviously you have to start new, but for right now, you they have to go full-time 100% right now. And to go into the Southeast, that's what, that's how Carlos Lachlan could go 100%. So I think Dowdell is a name to watch for sure, and there's a heck of a lot more names to come. Let's end it with this question I want to pose. Um how much, at least from an offensive standpoint, at every position, not just quarterback, because we've talked a lot about this, but just I kind of wonder from a recruiting success standpoint, if if we won't see a real big bulk of commits come until after the spring game and maybe even closer to the season when we get a better idea of what just this offense looks like. Because we know what we know, like Dan Lanning has the ability, hey, look. I was a co-DC at Georgia, or I was a DC at Georgia. You know, this was my my scheme, the, the simulated pressures and all of that. It, that's translatable. We don't really know what the offense looks like under Dan Laney. It's an interesting question. I mean, obviously they want to see as I mean, how much are you going to take from a spring game either? Um, True. The question I would have to that. Uh, you know, I think obviously the big thing right now is is maybe a more is just like developing relationships with with this staff because it's all new here um you know a lot of, again as i said right. earlier these kids have been recruited for years and they might have been like junior adams might have recruited you when he was at washington sure you know you, you, penny dillingham might have had a relationship with you at florida state but he might not have obviously they don't have those relationships until recently at oregon so i would imagine it's a little more of that than it is the scheme but i do think like certainly we don't know exactly what they're running. Like, I mean, that's, that's just true. I mean, we've got ideas, we've heard things. I, I mean, I'll have some stuff in the story that justice shared a little bit about kind of what he envisions the offense looking like, but all of it's kind of broad strokes and we, we won't have, I don't think a, 
I mean, I'd love to think we'll have a great idea after the spring game, but my expectation is we'll still have some questions even coming out of that. Um, you know, hopefully a day where we get to see football for a couple hours, but that won't be entirely instructive of what they're doing. I, mean, I think we'll have a little better idea. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, I think a lot of this is just relationship driven at this point. And, and again, I mean, not, not to be too, I think the NIL stuff really does impact some of this. Absolutely. You know, I think there's that, that plays a role. I don't want to go down too far down that road, but there, there are more, there are now more things than ever to consider in your recruitment. And I think that slows down some, I mean, it's, it is a little bit not concerning necessarily, but we're mid March here, end of March and Oregon has one commitment in 23 uh i'd like to i don't know i'd be interested to go back in the 21 and 22 classes because i certainly remember there was a lot more activity and, and the 21 was a class where that was in the midst of a, a, a global pandemic kind of just starting so um it does feel like oregon is a little slower out of the gate but again it kind of makes sense when you think about how new these guys are on on campus and everything and they're just kind of trying to get their feet wet so to speak well that's the point that i was going to make is that most of Mario Cristobal's staff at Oregon had been there the entire time that he was, so starting in 2017. So, you know, that's four years if we're talking about the class of 2021. That's a potential of four years that Mario and most of his staff could have been recruiting a player like a Troy Franklin. And so that's the difference, I think. Um, it's clear that most of these guys are still – I mean, shoot, Oregon's still hiring people. Like, their, their staff is far from finished. They're still trying to get their feet wet. Um, and I think relationships are going to be the most important part about how they can go out and get recruits in the class of 2022 or excuse me, 2023 and 24. I think learning a bit more about the offense and defense will help. But I also I also think that most of these recruits are going to know what what the offensive plan is on paper. And, you know, what, what it looks like in the game might might be different. It might not be. And I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a big enough impact on a player's decision to either go or not go to a school based on how their offense is run. Because, you know, Oregon got a lot of pretty good wide receivers in the class of 2021. And if you had watched Oregon's offense the last couple of years, wide receivers, not the biggest feature. So maybe, maybe that's how it'll go. Maybe it won't. Um, but I, I do think, the longer the staff stays in place and the longer the staff gains relationships, the recruits and the commitments will start to come. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, make sure to look out for another one coming on Friday and then uh, we'll break. If any breaking news happens, we'll also be on here as well for a podcast until the next one though. You've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.